0: Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of In The Ring. I'm your host, Acacia Clement, as we get ready for this year's Florida Derby. I'm really excited about everything coming up, as many of you know. I work as an on-air analyst, handicapper, paddock reporter at Gulfstream Park. So that's been my main focus for the last week and a half or so running around like a crazy person. But it's been a real treat getting a chance to catch up with a lot of the connections and hear from them. And that's one of the things that I really enjoy most about my job is getting to interview horsemen and owners. And um, this podcast has been another great opportunity for me to kind of dive into another side of the industry. So I have Someone on today who's an owner, breeder, pin hooker, really has done pretty much all of it in all of the different uh, facets of horse racing. So I think you'll really enjoy what she has to say. I also decided to do something a little bit different today in that because I've been running around talking to so many people, I thought it'd be a great opportunity to kind of put some of that sound, those voices into this episode as well. So it's all tied into the Florida Derby. Um, that's been uh, certainly a big focus on the East Coast. Next week, I'll be actually heading back up to New York and focusing on the Wood Memorial. So we may have some things uh, as far as that goes as well. But this week, it's all about the Florida Derby, the um, final week of the championship meet at Gulfstream Park. and as I said i think we really kind of cover all the basis on today's episode so hope you enjoy very happy to welcome in a special guest here tammy bobo owner of fountain of youth winner and florida derby contender simplification um tammy thank you so much for taking the time to do this what does it mean hearing those words fountain of youth winner and florida derby contender next to your horse's name
1: It's very exciting. I feel very blessed to be in this position and it's certainly gratifying.
0: Tell me a little bit about Simplification as a horse. How did you come to have him in your stable and running in your colors?
1: So Valerie Demeric had reached out to me um, after he was offered at the sale in Kentucky and told me that she had had a few horses over there for sale and asked me if I'd be interested in coming to look. So we did go over there and um, look at the horses that she had for sale at that time. He was one of those horses. And uh, we had decided to move forward, vet him. And um, that's how we ended up with him. Bought him and then brought him here to our farm and then had him here for a while and getting ready to go into the uh, Weeland yearling sales because that's primarily what we do with first finds is mm-hmm. Weeland yearling Hooks.
0: And what was it about him where there was a thought that you might potentially pinhook him and you ended up sticking with him throughout his career?
1: You know, he's a nice individual. He was a nice colt. He was a forward colt. And of course, when you're looking for Wieland a yearling pinhooks, you need something that's going to make, obviously, the yearling sales. So that was the most important. Was he going to be able to make the yearling sales for us? And we felt that he was. So that's why we went ahead and purchased the colt. And then we had um, x-rayed him for the yearling sales, and he came up with a little sesamoiditis. It wasn't anything Mm -hmm. alarming. Um, It wasn't any greater than what he had when I had purchased him, knowing the x-rays that were taken had shown some minor sesamoiditis. So with that being said, he still had the same amount. And we just decided at that point, um, not this time, was doing extremely well Mm -hmm. when we had bought the colt. And then it kind of cooled off, you know, how our industry can come and go in waves. Mm-hmm. And so at that time, it wasn't necessarily the hottest sire to have. So it really didn't make a lot of sense to go on and go to the yearling sale where we could have been impacted by necessarily a set of not quote unquote perfect x-rays.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So we liked the colt. He was a very strong colt. and He was a you know just a really forward training colt, even in his sales prep as a yearling. So as a result of that, we work with the colt every day and decided, you know, if this colt is this, you know, not, he's not tough, but you know, if this colt is this strong and this forward, possibly we may have a pretty good racehorse on our hands. So why not just try to run?
0: It certainly turned out that way, and he's been really fun to follow in Florida too. But I thought you brought up something really interesting too about kind of new and hot sires and how things cool off, things really wax and wane in this industry as far as the sales go. Will you tell me a little bit? Um, as you do focus so much on pin hooking, some of the aspects that you take into account when deciding what horse should go to what sale.
1: You know, I think when you're deciding that, especially with young horses, it's. It's absolutely pertinent that you are day in, day out with these horses. All these horses have a point, especially young horses, where they peak. And that is a juggling act when you're pinhooking these younger horses as to when you think they're going to peak based on their sales prep. So as a result of that, I would say that's probably the most important, knowing exactly where to, to point your horse to for these sales. You know, as I said, these these stallions especially young stallions they come and go as as you know it's just shocking how quick these horses come and go or how a person or an industry can be on a sire today and pay exponential money and then two three months later they're completely off the sire so it, it's difficult to understand the mentality and the mindset of the industry in that way however we focus primarily on proven sires or new sires and again you know, that's, that's just our industry. It's definitely a fashion industry. It's what's hot and what's not.
0: For sure. And, and you and your husband run First Finds together. Will you tell me a little bit about how the operation started and how you kind of got into the niche that you have right now with that operation?
1: So um, actually, I was training two-year-olds, and I had built a training center over at Nick DeMerich's, um training center here in Ocala, um, which I had liked the track there. So I was training two-year-olds there and just had decided I was more of a boutique operation as I am now in the to yearlings as my two-year-old operation. And when you're a boutique operation in the spectrum of the thoroughbred industry, the cost can be exponential per head versus training a hundred two-year-olds. So I had decided, you know, looking at the big business picture and looking at the business plan That it just made more sense to pay to have my two-year-olds trained than to do the daily duties of it day in and day out. When I could go into a weanling and yearling operation where it wasn't quite as crucial having the big team of riders, it's hard to sustain riders, excellent riders, Mm -hmm. in a smaller operation. So... I think a lot of that, you know, in our business comes to play where when you want to be on top of the game, you have to have the best of the best. So from a two-year-old standpoint, I, I had built my two-year-old training center. When I came in the industry, I wanted to learn all the facets of the thoroughbred industry. So for me, I felt that the two-year-old market was one that I wanted to navigate those waters in the most. And that's why I directed myself into the two-year-old industry, built my training center, again, at Nick de and Due to the cost involved and the business plan of my training the two-year-olds, it didn't make sense from a business plan to continue training two-year-olds that were costing about $35,000 per head on an average when I could send those horses out to the Demerics and people to train for about twenty dollars to $25,000. It's such an influx of numbers in this industry when you do a boutique operation versus a larger spectrum.
0: Tell me a little bit uh, about your relationship with Antonio Sano and you have horses with him at, at all different levels. How special is it for you to, to see him with a horse like Simplification?
1: So Antonio Sano and his family are, are amazing people. I think that um, as a whole, they are just genuine, true, kind people, the entire family. And I've just been honored with the opportunity to meet him and get to know him and, And kind of all of us come together. He's always called me his sister from the Mm -hmm. preliminary phases of doing business with Antonio. And we just have always had an amazing rapport. And we're just one big group of family, basically. And it makes the races so enjoyable when you go. You're with people who truly, genuinely, you know, look out for you and want the best for you. And we all want the best for each other. And I think that the, I think karma it, it it's just what you, you know, you just need that. You need that in this world. You need a lot of good, genuine people that truly want the best of, for everyone.
0: I spoke to Antonio the other day and he said, obviously two incredibly different horses, but the path that simplification has taken does kind of remind him of what he experienced with Guinevere and obviously a a highlight in his career. And he was so excited about having a horse going to the Florida Derby and potentially onto the Kentucky Derby. How meaningful is that for you to get to see him with a horse like this again?
1: Oh, it means everything. It absolutely means everything. And you know, our adventure started at the end of Gunavera's career together when we decided to stand Gunavera at stud and went into partnerships together with Gunavera. So it's very, it just, it's an amazing experience to be able to be together and share this and and share in Gunavera's future as a stallion. And he's he's has beautiful babies on the ground. And so we're excited about that as well. So we have a lot of facets of the industry, Antonio's family and our family, together going forward in a lot of different directions, which is just an amazing opportunity, I think, for all of us.
0: And I'm glad you brought up Gunevera as, uh, of course, me being based in Florida in the winters. I got to follow him quite closely throughout his career. And what a cool, cool horse he was. And um, now the son of Dialed In, as you mentioned, starting his stud career. Um, Can you tell a little bit about what you've seen from his progeny so far? Maybe what the response has been like?
1: You know, Gunevera has been very well received and his foals are very nice. I mean, he has very nice foals on the ground and I'm super excited and looking forward to these foals. Hopefully some of them obviously getting offered at public auction to support Gunavera and his crop, but he has a beautiful foal just recently um, that people have been putting on, on social media that is just exceptional. So I'm hoping, you know, for the opportunity to get out and follow more of these foals. I've seen quite a few of these foals and as a group, he has a phenomenal group of babies on the ground. I've actually decided this year, most um, in the years past, all of my mares, of course, had gone to Kentucky to be bred. And this year I've, I've changed that business plan as well and sent the majority of everything here over to mm-hmm. Gunavera, as I was so impressed with his crop.
0: Really exciting and and looking forward to seeing some of those babies on the racetrack. And you really are involved in so many different facets of the industry. In the Fountain of Youth, we saw Safi Joseph run AP Secret, who you actually bred. How validating is that for you to not only have the winner of the race, but have a major contender who was one that you bred?
1: You know, again, I just, I am so blessed in, in this industry. It has been amazing and to be in it for the, I still feel like it's been such a short time. You know, I look back 11, 12 years, but if you really, if I evaluate the small numbers that I've actually bought and, and sold and pin hooked or kept to race, it is so solidifying to see these young horses go out and do what they've done. I truly enjoyed seeing him. He was actually Um, a horse here that I personally sales prep myself, um, before he was offered at public auction. So I have a very strong connection to AP secret and I always have. So that was extremely solidifying to be able to stand there and see him and be able to cheer for him, you know, just as much as you're cheering for your own horses. I want the best for, you know, these horses. And at the end of the day, I think that's crucial for our industry To root for each other you know we're all there in the same game and we all have and would love the same outcome of course we all want to win but it's horse racing and there's one winner but still you know i think we can all root for each other and want the best for everyone
0: I absolutely love that. And, and it is cool to see those horses grow up and become something special too. And you have a special horse on your hand in Simplification. Um, his run and I thought, in, even in the Holy Bull, overcoming the bad start was so impressive. Will you just tell me a little bit about some of the thrills that he's given you throughout his career?
1: You know, Simplification has truly wowed me to be able to be there and be a part of his career and just see him overcome and just continue to dig in and, and the grit and the courage and the heart that that horse has shown it, I mean he shocked me. I think he shocked a lot of the people to see what this horse has absolutely done. So just to be able to to have a horse like this and have the opportunity to be here and and go on with him race to race is so fulfilling I, I think all of us have just absolutely been shocked by what this horse has shown us that he can do. I think in the last race in the Fountain of Youth, when he jogged back, I was so shocked to see the amount of dirt that he had taken on in his face and his muzzle. And these these racehorses truly are. They're just hard and they just run through it. I, I mean, the heart of a racehorse is unbelievable. And this horse certainly has displayed that, in my opinion.
0: He's shown so much on the racetrack already, but uh, as we're recording this, we're six days out from the Florida Derby. How special would would a win there be for you?
1: You know, I I think it, it would be it would be an amazing opportunity. Um, I would of course like everyone be extremely blessed to be in that position. Um, the last horse I had win the Florida Derby, as I'm sure you know, was Take Charge Indy, and unfortunately I wasn't there. And part of it, I was an owner still at that time of Indy but I wasn't there at that race. So I think to be there, to be at these races, there's just nothing. uh, There's, there are are not any words that I can express the excitement and the feeling that you get when a horse that you own wins a race like this, like this horse has done. It, It is an unbelievable experience. And, and I understand now why so many people love the game of horse racing and what it truly constitutes. It's an amazing experience and you cannot buy that experience, in my opinion. Yeah.
0: Well, Tammy, wishing you and the whole team the best of luck next week. Really appreciate you taking the time today and I'll be cheering for you.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you very much. You have a wonderful day.
0: And that was owner Tammy Bobo, Um, just such an amazing woman and incredibly successful in the sport of horse racing. So as I kind of teased at the top of the show, we'll have the uh, and more edition of this Florida Derby themed episode. So keeping in theme, I thought it'd be great to have the opportunity to hear from Simplification's trainer, Antonio Sano, who we heard Tammy talk a little bit about in her interview as well. Um, After Antonio speaks about Simplification. We'll also have the opportunity to hear from trainer Mark Cassie, who sends out Papa Cap in the Florida Derby, who's a really exciting two-year-old and is now looking for the first big win of his three-year-old season. And then one of the horses who's arguably been at the top of the three-year-old class, Classic Causeway, coming back in a pretty quick turnaround for trainer for trainer Brian Lynch and we'll get to hear from Brian as well so uh, enjoy these next couple of interviews and some sound with some really great horsemen leading up to a very big race please be joined by trainer Antonio Sano Antonio simplification worked this morning what did you see from that work
2: Uh, the horse worked very easy in the handling I work with Leonel Reyes but uh, Jose Ortiz is is out of the country Uh, little speed in the front, but I like because after the finish the galop out is very strong, and come back at the race, relax the horse.
0: Now one week out from the Florida Derby, how happy are you with where he is at this moment?
2: I am happy. I am proud for all, for all my friends, for my family. I hope the horse, hopefully, the, the win the race for staying in Austria, the horse.
0: Where would you like to see him positioned uh, as we get ready to draw the field, as he does have that natural speed?
2: It's very important, good position. Remember, in the Holy Bull, good position back, back start in the start of the gate. I hope the, between two and six, the position for the, the outside, not good. Uh,
0: he has some speed. He gets a little bit more distance in the Florida Derby going the mile in an eighth. Do you think that's going to help him?
2: For me, I think so. The horse ruined the Florida Derby so speed the last race. It's better for me because there horse no need to ruin the front in the middle field for the close. Yeah.
0: You won the Fountain of Youth with him. How, what would it mean to win the Florida Derby at your home track?
2: I know I have words for press. this moment for me. And the next moment for next Saturday is very important.
0: Good luck, Antonio.
2: Thank you very much.
0: Very happy to be joined by Mark Cassie talking about Papa Cap leading up to the Florida Derby. Um, Mark, would you tell me the thought process in choosing the Florida Derby as the next stop for him?
3: Well, Keisha, I thought, you know, I was disappointed in his two performances in New Orleans. Um, he is one for one at, at Gulfstream. Uh, the, uh, uh Karen and uh George are both they're Floridians and enjoy running in Florida so we just thought it would be a you know a good choice.
0: He's been at your training facility in Ocala um after running at Fairgrounds. Tell me how he's done there leading up to this race.
3: I've, as you know, I've trained a lot of horses and we train them, fair, almost all of them at one point in time at our training center. I would say that he trains as good as any horse I've ever had trained. Um, it still is a little head. I, I, I scratch my head often trying to figure out why he hasn't run better. Every indication is that he's a really good horse. Um, but uh, there's a lot of questions after, especially after his last performance.
0: As far as coming out of that last performance does go, has he shown you everything in the interim that you would like to see of a three-year-old at this point?
3: And more. I mean, I, I, I honestly, I just couldn't ask for him to be doing any better. He looks great. He's got a great attitude. Um, but and I still don't understand white and run better last time. So we're keeping our fingers crossed, hoping, you know, maybe a change of scenery. Uh, Obviously it's extremely going to be a very tough race and a good race, but, um, I'd be disappointed if he doesn't run well.
0: And he was so precocious too. Graded stakes winner is a two-year-old grade one placed. Um, tell me a little bit about some of the excitement and some of the things that he showed you early on hinting that he was a good horse.
3: I thought, you know, even I thought from the beginning, um, we, when we sent him down to South Florida for his first start, it was to run him, try to win a race. And then I had initially had planned on sending him to Saratoga. Um, but I, after watching some of the horses break their maiden in Kentucky and in New York, um, we were taking a small division out to California. And um, uh, I said to the Russells, I said, you know, this horse would do really well out, out in California. I said, I think he could possibly win the best pal. And I said, the good news is, we'll take him out there, and I, he's a Breeders' Cup horse, and so we'll be out there already. And and it worked out well. Plan A's worked well. Plan B has done so well. <laughs> plan B, <for laughs> Orleans, and and it and it just for some reason just didn't work out. So I'm hoping Plan C is better.
0: In the Florida Derby, going a mile and an eighth um, around the Ovalid Gulf Stream, where would you like to see him uh, drawn and and perhaps positioned in the race?
3: anywhere but on the rail he's been that's the one thing in almost every start he's been pinned down on the rail and i'm not sure he likes that if you when you work we work him in the after in the mornings. he seems to cherish kind of being outside and going by horses so i just hope we don't draw the one hole sure enough we will but <laughs> maybe, I sh- maybe i should hope to draw the one hole yeah, yeah. He had that with War of Will. I said, whatever, anywhere but the one hole. And we drew the one hole in the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness, so anyways.
0: Well, here's hoping for a good post position for him, and lots of luck to you, Mark. Thank you so much.
3: Thanks for having me.
0: Very happy to be joined by trainer Brian Lynch We're talking about Classic Causeway. Um, Brian, first of all, will you tell me the decision-making process in choosing the Florida Derby as the next stop for him?
4: He just seemed to come out of the Tampa Bay race so well, uh, Tampa Bay Derby, that uh, that it just seemed more logic for, logical for me to just ship him down the road here an hour than to haul him up to Kentucky and maybe fight the elements up there. As we know, the weather can get a little bit funny in the spring. And um, so we gave him a work over the weekend, which was going to be the telltale to whether we were going to run him, and he worked very strong and very solid. So... Uh, I'm happy to have a crack at the Florida Derby.
1: Tell
0: me what it means to you to have a horse like him who's been so consistent throughout his career. I mean, I remember seeing him debut at Saratoga and just an absolute wow performance. How exciting and fun has he been for you?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you know, don't get the opportunity to come across these types too many. And uh, so when he exposed himself as a two-year-old at Saratoga there, we sort of just tried to you know, not overdo it with him in his two-year-old year, year, but educate him about getting around two turns and then gave him a bit of a break over the Christmas period. And he's paid his back by coming back with two powerful performances this year. And we think he's uh, just on the upward swing and we think he's getting better, uh, you know, with each race and couldn't be in a happier position going into the Florida Derby and then uh, five weeks out from the Kentucky Derby
0: he's shown that in his last couple races as you mentioned but will you tell me a little bit about what it's been on your end with him making that jump from two to three he really seems to have handled everything well
4: yeah he seems to really thrive since we got him down to florida this winter and uh he's certainly a bigger stronger horse um his works have been just solid he's lovely horse to be around uh you know he's a He's been a lovely sound horse, which is, a you know, a battle because you've got to lean on these horses a bit to get them fit enough to be competitive in these sort of races. And uh, he stood up to everything we've asked him. And he's a he's a good doer around the barn. He'll never leave a oat. He's a good eater. And he's uh, we're just, you know, very fortunate to have him.
0: As far as the Florida Derby does go, Milan and eighth uh, around the Gulfstream Oval track you're well familiar with, where would you kind of like to see him positioned in that race?
4: I think he's going to be forwardly placed. I think there's going to be plenty of speed in there. So it's, uh, hopefully we get a good post position. Uh, I'm not convinced. I don't think uh, Irad's convinced either that, that he needs a lead. I think he will rate. And uh, so if they are going fast early, I'm sure he won't be too far away from it, but uh, I don't necessarily think he needs to be on the lead.
0: All right, Brian, well, wishing you the best of luck. We can't wait to see him run.
4: I'm excited too. Thanks, Acacia.
0: And that's it for another episode of In the Ring with Acacia Clement. I appreciate you joining me on today's episode. I hope that you enjoyed. I hope that you enjoyed the Florida Derby themed episode. And I hope that you enjoy the Florida Derby coming up on Saturday, April 2nd. If you're going to be at Gulfstream Park, please come and say hello. I'll be running back and forth from the paddock to the winner's circle, 10 stakes on the card. Um, If I'm Walking fast, it's just because I'm trying to track somebody else down for an interview or or do another report or something. But please do say hi. I really enjoy seeing everybody, and I'm sure it'll be a a great day of racing. Um, It'll be my last week at Gulfstream Park for the season as well. So I'm looking forward to wrapping up the championship meet with a bang. But as always, appreciate you all listening to In the Ring. If you have any suggestions coming up for some of the uh, big Kentucky Derby, focused races or things coming up in the next few weeks, please do let me know or anything that you think would be interesting as far as sales, breeding, pedigree races do go. I'm um, looking forward to continuing on with some great content coming up in the next few weeks. And please feel free to share this episode as well. I appreciate all of the kind words I got about last week's episode with Aaron Birkenhauer and Ron Moquette If you haven't had a chance to listen to it, I, I highly recommend it. It's one of my favorite episodes that I have recorded as well. Um, Um, And as always, don't forget to go to In The Money Media. Check out all of the great other content going on over there from my colleagues as well as the In The Money Media newsletter. Till next time, I'll see you on In The Race.